don't look for the perfect fit. There is no perfect fit. Find somebody who's interested in and engaged and they will and, and who's who's just got the they, they got work ethic and they've got interest and they will move mountains for you. But if you're trying to find the perfect fit, you'll never get the right fit. Welcome to MedSider Radio, where you can learn from proven med tech and healthcare thought leaders through uncut and unedited interviews. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Hey everyone, it's Scott. In this episode of MedSider, I sat down with Waquas El-Sadiq, CEO of Biotricity. Waquas holds a bachelor's and master's in electrical and computer engineering from the University of Toronto, as well as an MBA from the University of California, Berkeley. With over 15 years of experience in the technology and healthcare sectors, Waquas has a strong track record of developing innovative solutions for remote patient monitoring and connected health. As the CEO of Biotricity, he leads the company's mission to revolutionize remote patient monitoring by leveraging cutting-edge technology and data-driven insights. Here are the key things that we discussed in this conversation. First, it's vital to understand different user workflows and consider the commercialization aspect of your device during the actual product development phases. Addressing these points early on helps ensure the devices can be effectively integrated into users' routines and increases the likelihood of adoption. Second, when developing medical devices that are used by consumers, you have to cater to diverse needs, which requires striking a balance between providing patients with sufficient information and avoiding unnecessary concern that may arise from information overload. The best approach is to continuously learn from customers and adjust your message accordingly, taking into account the various needs of stakeholders. Third, in a saturated market like wearables, Entrepreneurs need to focus on delivering clinical value and directing their efforts toward diagnosed patients or those with specific needs. This will help differentiate your products from the competition and allow for maximum impact. Before we jump into this episode, I wanted to let you know that we recently released the second volume of MedSider Mentors, which summarizes the key learnings from the most popular MedSider interviews over the last six months or so. Look, it's tough to listen or read every single MedSider interview that comes out, even the best ones, but there are so many valuable lessons you can glean from the founders and CEOs that join our program. So that's why we decided to create MedSider Mentors. It's the easiest way for you to learn from the world's best medical device and health technology entrepreneurs in one central place. If you're interested in learning more, head over to medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. Premium members get free access to all past and future volumes. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. In addition to every volume of MedSider Mentors, you'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Erica Rogers, CEO of Silk Road Medical, Dr. David Albert, founder of AliveCore, and so many others. In addition, as a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medtech and health tech entrepreneurs. Learn more by visiting medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. Again, that's medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. Wakas, uh, welcome to MedSider Radio. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Glad to yeah. be here. Yeah, l- looking forward to uh, learning a little bit more about your background as, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, uh, what you're building at, at Biotricity. So um, with that said, I recorded kind of a brief, a very brief bio um, of yourself kind of at the outset of this interview. Uh, but let's let's start there. Tell us a little bit more about your professional background leading up to uh, uh, starting uh, Biotricity. No, for sure. So you know, I always say I'm, I'm an engineer by training. I'm actually an engineer economist and I have my doctorate in business, but you know, I, I still like the zeros and ones, if you will, and got in my start out doing the big engineering thing at IBM and then got pushed over to AMD and Intel kind of uh, left that joined some investment banking groups. And really that's kind of what inspired me to really go into entrepreneurship because I was looking and analyzing deals 
and I saw that, hey, you know, some of these companies that are getting funded, I, I think I have some ideas as well. And so left that and because I came from the cloud computing space, ended up ended up in there. But I had done some graduate work in wireless uh, sensors and, and really uh, monitoring remote environments. And that's what got me interested really in, you know, what does the future of healthcare look like? And so kind of a twisted road. I think all entrepreneurs have a bit of a twisted journey. But that cloud computing piece got me into that connectivity piece because of my background in, in that intersection of connectivity and, and cloud. And I started supporting this company um, called uh, Higgy, which built one of the largest platforms and then was sold over to Babylon Health. And, uh, you know, their approach was really the gamification of healthcare. And that's where I realized and, and became very uh, convinced that the future is really in this connected health space. And so then I started Biotricity. Got it. And and for those listening, uh, Biotricity is it? I mean, I'm looking at your your LinkedIn profile now, which we'll link to in the in the, in the uh, kind of the, the summary for this particular discussion. But it looks like did you did you start the company back in around 2014 timeframe? Is that when when everything kind of got going? Yeah, I got my original funding in early 2015. So yeah, that's pretty much where I started. And I'm the founder, and I invented the original tech, and it kind of you know I gave birth to it. Okay, got it. So we're recording this in in early early 23 if you're listening to this you know year, years later so i mean you've been at it for a while almost a almost a decade now yeah yeah yeah. it takes it takes time to but and especially as you know we, when you talk regulatory you talk medical devices you talk patients i mean just that that hurdle of getting a device cleared and getting into the space and then the commercialization piece of it it, it takes time yeah yeah no doubt um i had a had a conversation um uh just yesterday another another uh interview that i recorded we're talking about this very same thing, right? In the, in the device game, nothing is ever sh- short, right? Um, even, even if you're kind of focused on, you know, reasonably short-term projects, I mean, it, you're 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 talking about a half decade at at the at, at a minimum. You know, I mean, this is, it, it takes a while to not only uh, uh, work within sort of the the quality and regulatory guardrails, but also you know when you're changing healthcare, which I'm sure we'll get into, you know, with what you're building at Biotricity. I mean, there's a lot of friction, you know, uh, you know, there's natural friction in any startup, but uh, but especially so in, in healthcare. So. Uh, with that said, tell us a little bit more about kind of your company and your and your products um, and, and really kind of what, what you're building. I and mean, again, not expecting you to go go too deep or too into the weeds, but give us kind of the, the eleva- ele- elevator pitch. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, Biotricity, we're a remote patient monitoring company and we kind of defined ourselves uh, like that before RPM became a, a really a category. So, you know, now that RPM is its own category, I, I would say we're a digital health uh, and, and med tech uh, company. And we focus on the cardiac landscape. Um, so really what we saw was that cardiac care was very disjointed. So you have somebody providing diagnostics, somebody providing disease management, somebody providing um, procedural work, and, and really nobody re- following that patient through that entire cardiac journey. And what's interesting is that that cardiac disease is the number one killer in every country in the world. And so what we did was we built an entire platform. So we can actually track the patient from diagnostics, which is our first product. And then once they get diagnosed, they have some interventional procedure, then they go into disease management, and then they go into lifestyle management. So the idea is before you become, before you are diagnosed, we have a product for you. When you get diagnosed, you get diagnosed with a biotricity uh, product or, or a customer of ours, which is a cardiologist who's using that product. And then once you have been diagnosed, we support you through that cardiac journey. And that's kind of the ecosystem that we've built. And that's kind of the vision behind the company without you know getting too much into the weeds. And then we are the first company that's really created this uh, product portfolio that can actually map and track a patient through that entire cardiac journey. 
Got it. Got it. I, lo- I love the way you frame that up, right? Kind of like be- before, you know, so, sort of diagnosis before treatment, diagnose immediately after treatment, um, et cetera. That's a, that's a great kind of like, you know, framework to kind of kind of visualize kind of where, where your products play. But uh, j- just to just to help, um, just to go a little bit deeper on, on this topic. So bio- biotricity, I'm looking at your site right now. And then and for those listening that don't make it to the to the summary article, it's it's B-I-O-T-R-I-C-I-T-Y, biotricity.com is the website. Great, great looking website, by the way. So I'm looking at, you've got Bioflex, Biotress, and BioHeart. Are those the the two, the, the three primary kind of like, like hardware devices? And then of, of course, the, the kind of the cloud side too, as well. Correct. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Got it. Perfect. Super interesting. I think that set the, sets the sets the stage for the for the rest of the conversation for sure. But um, give us a sense, um, kind of with sort of your product portfolio. Where, where are you guys at in terms of of, of commercialization and you know re- regulatory, et cetera? Yeah, excellent question. So you know we we got our foot started in Bioflux, right? That's our cardiac diagnostic product. So you know we talked about our funding two thousand fifteen. Got our FDA clearance beginning of twenty eighteen. Spent that time figuring out insurance. So twenty nineteen we launched the product April of twenty nineteen. So we're like literally four years in on that product, and that was really smart diagnostic. So the thesis there was, hey, there's this category of cardiac diagnostics out there, and issues happen while you're sleeping. They're asymptomatic. Three o'clock in the morning, you have a six second pause. You're sleeping. Um, you may not wake up. And so Holter product is not good enough. And this real-time monitor does exist, but you have to have a clunky cell phone. You have this other device. You have to charge two things. And then on top of it, the reimbursement is attractive. So nobody wants to sell the technology. So it's actually inaccessible. So Mm -hmm. we came in and we said, okay, well, we're going to democratize cardiac telemetry because we think it needs to be available to everybody. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to uh, combine everything into one solution, bring the cell phone technology. So we have our own FCC ID, like a cell phone manufacturer, combine to one solution and make this available to every cardiologist, right? So that they can use it and deliver it to the patient. And so that product is, has been there. And then what we, uh, we launched that product. It's used by 2000 physicians across 35 states now. We tracked about, I don't know, probably 170,000 patients on that product uh, up until now. There's probably you know, forward looking, we'll probably do about 120,000 diagnostic studies this year. And so that was a a cardiac diagnostic space. Then what we realized was our customers came back and they said, Hey, can you do something about the Holter space? And I said, well, you know, the Holter, we don't really believe in the Holter. We, and, and, and why do you really want us to do this? And so they said, well, it takes us two weeks to get a, a report back. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So somebody may or may not have a cardiac issue. They're complaining. Generally, their numbers look good. So it's like you and I showed up at our at a cardiologist saying, hey, we complaining of chest pain. We'll probably end up on a Holter. But I don't want to be in the dark for like a month, right? I'm on the monitor for two weeks. I got to wait two more weeks for the report. And so we said, okay, we're going to create a connected Holter mm-hmm. in a compact form factor. So we created that. That got FDA cleared early part of last year, and it was launched in May of last uh, last year. So that was a new uh, product, and that kind of completed our cardiac portfolio. Now, in the background, what we were doing was, and and we were building this ecosystem of saying, okay, well, what happens to this patient after they get diagnosed? Well, they have a 30-second ECG that they can collect off of their phone or an Apple Watch. They pretty much are left to their own, you know, there's no glucometer out there. Um, that uh, because cardiac issues are intermittent. So a, one, a, a data point in a point in time is not very useful for a cardiac patient, right? Issues are happening while they're sleeping. So you, know, you can't collect 30 seconds of your ECG while you're sleeping off of your Apple Watch. And so in the background, we were building this cardiac disease management platform 
when these customers came in and, and, and built uh, and, and asked us about that Holter product. And so we completed that cardiac disease management platform. We took that technology, we created the BioHeart product for pre-diagnosis and post-diagnosis, right? So how do you manage your condition? So if you're at risk, how do I not, uh, you know, uh, fall into the cardiac trap? So is there a product that I can use for prevention? And then if I am diagnosed, what do I do to manage that? So we created the BioHeart Monitor and that disease management program. And that uh, got launched basically the end of last year, the beginning part of this year. So the commercialization, you know, as you can see, BioFlux is the old uh, the, the old and, and, and the tried and true uh, product. And then the, uh, the Holter product is a newer one that came out. And then our disease management platform just came out. Now, all of these products are complementary, as you can see, right? It's the same patient at a different life cycle within their cardiac journey. Got it. Got it. That's, that, that's super helpful. And I, I love the, I think as I kind of listen to you describe sort of that, that, that story, right. Uh, that product development story and that commercialization kind of, um, uh, those, those time points in which you're commercializing these devices, just the importance of listening to, to customers. Right. I mean, it sounds, it's, it sounds so straightforward, you know, arguably maybe a little bit, a bit, a little bit cliche. Right. Uh, but the, the fact that you, you know, you, you simply were dialed into your customer base and they, they told you, you know, look, what cost you got, you guys have to build a, a whole, you know, a better, a better Holter monitor. You're like, no, I don't, know, I don't know about that. But you know, the more you listened, you know, the the further that took you down and and uh, uh, the development path. So I think it's a it's a really really useful point. So again, before we kind of rewind the clock and learn a little bit more about kind of key learnings that that you've uh, you've picked up, you know, uh, you know, your in your journey uh, building Biotricity. Again, for those listening, it's Biotricity.com is is the website. You can learn a little bit more about the uh, the, the products and and the technology as well as the company itself. So. With that said, we'll cost. Let, let's let's go back in time. Uh, we'll frame this up around you know 2015, 2016, 17. Really, that that early journey building you know Bioflux. You mentioned it. It took about kind of yeah, you know, sounds like about four to five years, right, to go from kind of initial concepts to to you know actually commercializing the device. But if you think think back on those maybe those first couple of years uh, during kind of the alpha and beta kind of prototyping days. What what like if you had if you had to do it over again, right? What were, what were maybe what would be maybe some some things that you do differently, or or maybe just you know in general, where do you think most you know med tech entrepreneurs make a lot of mistakes in those those very early kind of prototyping uh, phases? Yeah, for sure. So I think that you know for us, how I would do it, and I'll, I'll actually break it up into two categories, right? So one is like you know what would I do um, differently, and one of the things that we uh, learned was this engagement with at an alpha stage, we waited a little bit late to get engaged with the customer, right? And so building a smart cardiac monitor to understand the workflow piece of it is, and, and it sounds kind of like, well, it's obvious, right? But we were so focused on the clinical piece that the workflow piece was kind of like, we knew it was important, but it was not something that was a part of it. So what you really have to understand is, what are the users that are using your product, right? It's very, very critical to dial that in. So in our case, we're saying, okay, we're, we need to be clinically great. We know the cardiologist is going to use the product. Let's go build it. And, and we did, and we did a fantastic job. And then we went to commercialization and well, it's actually the nurse that uses it the most. And actually the problem isn't even the nurse who uses it. It's actually the MA staff who's managing it. So that workflow so actually, when you look at the product, it's like, wait a minute, there's four workflows here, right? And, and, and actually, there's technically five workflows if, if you really go into it. And, and the reason is because, well, a cardiologist 
workflow is different than a GP's workflow, which is different than an EP's workflow, which is different than a nurse's workflow, which is different than an MA's workflow. So we were all focused on the, and correctly, you know, clinical, which means cardiologist, electrophysiologist, let's get their product clinically the best. Let's focus on making sure that that is effective. Of course, taking into account the patient as a part of this as well, but I just missed uh, those multiple workflows. So that is something that I would definitely redo differently from, from, a, from a perspective of, of us as a company. I think what we did really well, right? And I think yeah. this is where what I have seen a lot of um, you know, medical device companies and entrepreneurs and people have asked me and I sit on boards um, and what they are missing. And, and what I see is that they haven't thought about the commercialization strategy early enough because who's going to pay for it? Is the patient paying for it? Is the insurance paying for it? Is it, is it part of a general fee as part of a procedural thing where the hospital is just billing for, hey, I'm billing a cardiac procedure and you're a component of the procedure, right? So you have to figure out what is your commercialization strategy. And in healthcare, it's very interesting because it doesn't necessarily have to be insurance, right? It could be ROI-based, right? Go do this, Mr. Hospital, Mr. Doctor, because you're going to have better patient outcomes, which you're going to have re- less patients returning. And so because of that, you're going to have a cost savings. That's a very different sale than going to a doctor and saying, hey, as part of your procedure, you're generating this much money. If you use this and spend this much money on this, you're actually going to, your, your bottom line on your procedure is going to be better, right? If it's reimbursement linked, right? So that piece is, is a, a big problem. And so a lot of people think, oh, well, I'll get FDA approval. FDA approval is just a license for you to have a product and, and that it's clinically safe and effective. Whether or not someone's going to pay for it is a whole nother entrepreneurial journey. And so you, know, you talked about earlier, is like, why is it half a decade? Well, there's two entrepreneurial journeys here, right? And you get the first one and, and you don't realize about the second one. Yeah, such a good point. Uh, for those listening, I'm, I'm sitting here nodding my head, uh, Wakas, as you're as you're explaining that because th- those are those are such great points, right? Um, and so many of us that are probably arguably maybe a little bit more technically inclined, right? Because we're in the med tech, the kind of the, the, the healthcare space. You know, it's not like we're just selling a widget. You know, you, you so easy to get like into the weeds, right? On, on the on the device, on the on the technology, the platform, the system, etc., and lose sight of the fact of like how, how are you actually going to sell this thing, and you know what what's what's you know who, who's paying for it, what's your channel strategy, etc. Because all you know to your point, all of that stuff matters, you know, as you're as you're designing your your products. But your your first point about the, the workflows I, that's so interesting because I just I literally just published an interview uh, yesterday um, with um, Ohad Arazi. He's the CEO of Clarius. Which is a is a mobile ultrasound. Or it's a it's a handheld ultrasound device with some cloud connectivity, uh, kind of similar to to Biotricity a little bit in in some regards. And he mentioned something very very similar. He said um, they went the one thing they did they did right early on was they went really deep understanding workflows, right? All the key stakeholders that were involved and and would would touch their product, right? Uh, in whatever fashion, you know, it's it's super important. You know, he stressed the importance of just really understanding understanding kind of. What aspects matter most, right, to each of the each of those stake stakeholders? So I think those those two are really, really, uh, really, va- really great points. Kind of transitioning to a, a, a little bit to, um, and it, it serves as sort of a bit of a, a bit of a segue, right? Because your your device is is very it's, it's consumer centric, right? I mean, it's not just something that that's used in a, in a hospital or a physician's clinic. I mean, this is something that somebody's using at, at home. And, and I'm sure, you know, you thought about that early on, right, as you're developing, it. it's got to look kind of, you know, uh, it, it's got to be consumer friendly. So talk to us a little bit about that, because that's that's an interesting kind of intersection for a lot of device companies, especially as consumers 
sort of take take more control of their health. You know, um, if if you're not thinking about the the consumer and what you know how how they're using your your product, I think you're, you're probably missing something. And obviously, you guys have so. Talk to us about maybe the, maybe the importance and kind of what you learned along along the way at kind of at living at that intersection, right? Of of this is a product that is is sort of prescribed and and, and recommended by physicians, but it's it's very much a, a kind of a, a, a has a consumer look and feel too. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you know, I think one of the things is, and and we're we're I would say it's an ongoing journey, right? Mm-hmm. And the consumer is a very interesting because you've got these, you know, you got the worried well, you've got the people who don't understand anything. Uh, and then you got a, 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 a group in the middle and th- that have some sort of uh, technical acuity and are willing to try it. Then COVID happened and suddenly they got more technical, uh, technically willing to play around with things. But what's also interesting is that given the commercialization timeline, and this is what a lot of people forget, of your product, y- your demographics are changing. So, you know, five years is a long time, right? Or four years is a long time. So if in our case, it was three years to commercial, right? So, but even three years, right? You've got Android versions, phone versions, you've got things changing at that, at that moment in time, right? And so for us, what, what we always try to deal with in terms of settling, we try to put things into buckets, right? So one bucket is how do we improve information to the patient without scaring them? Okay, without giving them something that will cause, I mean, they went to a doctor and doctor's like, I think you have a cardiac issue. And they probably showed up there thinking their chest was tight. They woke up in the middle. They maybe they had a panic attack thinking they have a heart attack. Who knows what that work, what that thought process was. And they show up and they think that, hey, I may or may not have this life-threatening heart issue. So in that moment, how much information do you really in, uh, provide them that supports a good quality patient compliance study and all that, but without necessarily giving them a huge amount of concern, right? And so there's an art to that. And, and we, we got it pretty good. We hit the dartboard, but we didn't hit a bullseye, right? And I don't think we really are on the bullseye even today, but we're within one ring or two rings of it, depending on what the context is, because we understand, you know, there are patients that need reassuring messages and we need patients that are like if they have messages they get confused and so you there's this arc right mm-hmm. the other piece of that uh, on the separate on the secondary side because i said there's two buckets right the other bucket is how do you actually get the patient on the compliance and any the and the engagement and the user experience side right because you don't want it to be in the situation where okay patient is wearing this device and they're not really engaged on it. They just know that the doctor, a doctor prescribed it, and they're kind of like a bystander, right? So if you treat them like that, then your patient compliance, ensuring that you're getting the proper feedback, improving the experience, that becomes very difficult to do, right? So you're always trying to manage these two buckets, right? Like how much information do I give? But then I also need to them engage. Hmm. Yeah, those those are those are those are really good points. It reminds me of I, I think it was Jennifer Ernst, I believe. That and she runs Tivic Health, which they they have a a class two device, but they commercialize it, you know, direct to direct to consumer. I don't think it requires a prescription. Uh, don't quote me on that. But um, she mentioned something similar, right? Like you've got to make sure that your device is is obviously it, it's user friendly, it's easy to use, but um, compliance is key, right? If it's something that that people don't want to use um, and they don't use, and they become you know they don't, they're not compliant with 
with utilizing it, that's oftentimes in most cases going to going to lead to pretty poor, uh, you know, efficacy, right? Um, so those are that's that's a that's a really really valid point. I, I love the fact too that you're uh, you were deep enough with consumers to understand that if you're delivering like information that's frightening or scary or, you know, it is going to scare them. Um, that's, that's a big issue. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's going to, that's going to correlate to like, you know, how physicians are going to respond to the product too. Cause if they get a bunch of calls from, you know, from yeah. that, uh, you know, that, you know, nine out of 10 times are, are like non-issues, but the, you know, the consumer, the patient's just scared, you know, that's, uh, that's going to impact, impact that relationship too. Absolutely. And one of the most interesting products for us, which I find so fascinating today, is actually our BioHeart product because it really points to this issue about healthcare literacy as well, because that's another factor that changes the whole thing. So we built that product, like I told you, is because we recognize that cardiac patients really have no tool to manage their condition, right? So because the issue is intermittent and asymptomatic, and I actually wrote an article on this in that city about like the importance of continuous heart monitoring, where like continuous glucose monitoring is this new thing, which is fantastic, but a glucometer is still a useful tool for diabetic, right? If your sugar is low, you eat something, your sugar is high, you go for a run. But in cardiac issues, the issues are intermittent. They're happening while you're sleeping. You cannot use a moment in time manual data collection point. You need something that's continuous. Mm -hmm. So we built a continuous heart monitor and we were doing this testimonial things just a couple of weeks ago. And one of the user comes back and they're like, well, how I have to open up the app to record your, my, my ECG signal. And we have spent so much time trying to explain to the user that it's a continuous heart monitor and you don't actually have to do anything. And while you're wearing it, it's always recording. Hmm. And all you're really doing is going back in time and marking, it's like a bookmark, right? So this user still did not understand that, even though they've been using the product for like a year and a half. So, the, and then on the other side of the spectrum, we have an ER doc who's like recommending this product to his patients for personal management. And he's understands the whole space. So it's a very interesting thing because yeah. our whole focus, which I, which is very interesting to me is right. Like imagine we built a product to solve this problem, our whole thesis and our whole point and, and in one time magazine, all that good stuff. And, but everywhere where we talk about, we talk about this differentiator of continuous seamless autonomous versus manual. And we have a user and customer who comes back and they're like, I have to manually collect it. Hmm. And so look at that disconnect, right? And, yeah. and we have as a company, right? And me specifically, every piece of marketing material has focused on this differentiator, right? Yeah. So I find that very fascinating, right? Like no matter your, your entire marketing, your entire messaging, everything is around this huge point, And yet somehow, you haven't articulated it correctly. Right, right. I think it it, 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 it just it just speaks to the to this, this idea of like you know always always be learning you know from your from your customers you know you could be you know um, appearingly you know uh, assuming you're kind of doing all the right things right like your your messaging is on point it's consistent etc. But then you you know if you're if you're not talking to to you know to, to customers and kind of getting an, an idea of kind of where they're coming from you know you very well may uh, may be missing missing some some major things but yeah that that's crucial though you know when you're selling a you're you've got these two key stakeholders right the the, the patients and the physicians and, and managing you know the, the messaging accordingly right to those two those two ends of the spectrum is pretty challenging to say the least right <laughs> yeah no exactly right exactly right yeah let's let's talk a little bit about um about 
regulatory, right? Because you 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 touched on this. You touched on a couple of clearances that you have um, uh, to date, and so when you think about kind of that journey, right, over the past you know five six years, uh, getting multiple uh, regulatory clearances for your for your devices, you know, are, are there are, are there a couple of things that come to mind that have been you know uh, helpful, um, or maybe that you've learned along the way when it comes to this you know this this topic of reg? Yeah, so I think you know regulatory for us is very interesting because we are. Uh, innovators, right? So if you think about, you know, we talk about the commercialization journey, we talk about timing, right? So, and, and I'll go back to that just for a second is because, so we started the product development in beginning of 2015, right? So we got our FDA clearance at the end, beginning of 18, right? So that's, that's really three years uh, of uh, true development and, and, and uh, a device to get clearance, which is actually incredibly fast yeah. comparatively, right? Now, We've shortened that up a bit more because obviously now we have legacy and things like that. But no matter how fast you really go, we're still looking at an 18-month life cycle, right? By the time you deal with biocompatibility, plastic, molds, this, alpha, beta, all of this, these other pieces that people don't realize. But what has actually fast-tracked us, right? So how do we go and, and how do we compress our time is we adopted this approach of parallelization, which is, I don't know how widely it's used in the industry. But I don't imagine much because we go to the lab and we'll go to the lab and the lab will be like, it's going to take nine months to do all your testing. And we'll be like, why nine months? And they say, well, we have to do this test. We have to do that test. We have to do these types of tests, et cetera. And we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to do this electrical testing. We're going to do this, break, uh, 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 you know, safety testing, all of this. So we'll go and we'll say, okay, well, what if you did these tests in parallel? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, you can do the safety testing alongside your usability testing, alongside your uh, electrical and drop tests and, and, uh, or some of your EMS testing. And they're like, well, why would you do that? And I'm like, because it's not nine months anymore. It's like four months. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, nobody's done that before. And I'm like, well, I'll give you as many devices as you want, but I want all this stuff run in parallel. Hmm. So the idea of sequential testing, right, which is also a big part of the FDA process, because you need those test results back, then based on those test results, you have to finalize your FDA documentation. So that is an, a, a big hurdle in terms of timeline that people are not realizing, because all of these things have to be tested by independent labs. FDA is not convinced about what you do, right? They want an independent lab and they want the report. And so the way to fast track that is to understand which uh, lab testing can be done at the same time. Like there's no dependency. And so that is an art that we have adopted. I mean, and sometimes we're, we're sending devices. We have four different labs doing four different types of tests on the same device that all gets put into one, uh, into one filing. So that is a very unique thing that we have been doing. Uh, and, and I think that that is something that is, is definitely a way to fast track and, and, you know, improve the regulatory process. Right. I, lo I love the fact that you even started, you started out kind of your, your answer, which is like this, this story around asking why, right? You went to your, you know, your, your test houses and they told you, well, it's going to take nine months to complete all of these, you know, these various tests that were that are needed for the reg submission. And you just asked, well, why, why, why does it take that long? You know what I mean? And I think so, so many, you know, entrepreneurs don't ask that simple question. I'm like, well, wait a second, like why? And then you learned, oh, because they're doing all of these tests sort of in a, in a, in a serial fashion. And you're like, wait a second, no, we can, Let's let's do this like these four in parallel, these four going on at the same time, et cetera. And you know there may be some risks associated with like doing some of these tests tests at at 
a sort of risk if you have to have your, your bills done, but you, you simply ask the question why, and then figured out a way to kind of, you know, do everything in, in, uh, in, in parallel to sort of fast track. I love that. Hey there, it's Scott. And thanks for listening in so far. The rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for MedSider premium members. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadim Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others. As a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider Mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium.